Today is one of my all-time favorite days of the year. I look forward to it and certainly celebrate it. I'm not talking about All Saints Day. I'm talking about Daylight Savings Time. I felt amazing when I woke up this morning. It was like I got a whole extra hour of sleep. It was awesome. Today is obviously a very beautiful day. Today is an incredibly joyful feast day. And someone walked in, they're like, oh, I can't wait to hear your homily. You got so many great saints. But we already celebrate those saints. They've got their own day. This is a very special day that talks about those who don't have a day. Most likely, you know, hopefully, hopefully, when we're in heaven one day, this will be our feast day. This will be the day we celebrate. There's a huge party in heaven. All of the people who were uncanonized, all of our, our loved ones and family members who we you know, hope and pray had a good death, sacraments were there, they're in heaven. This is their feast day. Who's called to be the saint? And our first reading from Revelations, we get the 144,000. 144,000 that are seen by, by John. And some, some of our fellow brothers and sisters, humans, think, all right, this is what it means. 144,000 people are going to heaven. That's it. The Bible says so. Thankfully, that's not true, because I wouldn't be making the cut if it was 144,000 out of the billions of people in the whole world. But this is much like at a different point in the gospel, at a different point in scripture, in the gospels, when our Lord says to Peter, not only do you forgive seven times, but seven times seven times 70 times. I mean, if you add up, that's a finite number. It's not that if someone comes up to you and harms you or does an injustice to you, one more time, they're like, all right, Jesus said, I don't need to forgive you anymore. No, but it was a very... Uh, poetic way for our Lord to say an infinite amount of time, the fullness amount of time, you always have to forgive. And in the same way that 12 times 12 times 1,000, I think my math is correct there, 144,000, that's the fulfillment of the 12 tribes of Israel. This understanding that God has a very special relationship, which we hold on to. This is why we try to, to have a very good relationship with the Jews as, as Catholics. We owe a lot to them. They're God's chosen people. That's a beautiful gift. They have the opportunity to go to heaven. God wants them, as all of us, to go to heaven. So if you follow Christ, the fulfillment of those 12 tribes will be with him. But what does John say right after that? To see a number that is more than anyone can count of all different nations and languages and cultures. That's us. That's all the people of the world. All of us out there. You know, I've talked about my time in Rome quite a few times, and there's a very special stone for me when you walk in. It's a center, just a little red, little red stone. It's not, it's like a three foot by three foot circular red stone. It's a big stone. But in the grand scheme of St. Peter's Basilica, it's pretty small. It's made out of red porphyry. It's one of the things that the Romans would bring over. And in uh, Egypt, that they've got this red porphyry from, it would be what the throne was made out of. It's one of the hardest granites in the world. Like if you think of like Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, this huge church they've been building for almost 100 years. They got like 15 more years before it's done. The main pillars are made out of red porphyry. I mean, it's just this astoundingly beautiful, but very dense and strong properties about this stone. And the throne of, of the pharaohs would be made out of this. And if a servant was ever to touch it, like imagine him coming over to fill his wine glass and he would step on the throne, who'd be killed. 
be dead. Because the properties of the stone was if you were not a part of the royal family, you weren't even worthy to touch it, to step on it. Gosh. Now this stone, which in the old basilica was in the front, where like an 800 Charlemagne was anointed the first Holy Roman Emperor on the stone. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. So here's this stone, and it's just there in the front of St. Peter's Basilica. And people are just kind of walking over. You're like, wow, look at this, this little stone. It's got this amazing history. People are just trampling all over it. To think that they'd be killed if they even touched it in a different time, in a different kingdom. But you start to think about that. Like, well, what does that mean? Like, would we be killed if we touched this stone? to recognize that through baptism, through that gift, that we are part of the royal family. We are considered children of God. It says it in the first reading. It says it in the second reading. In the, in the Beatitudes, our Lord says, you will be children of, children of God. We are children of God. No other faith claims this. This is unique to our Christian Catholic understanding. God says, you are my children. You're in my family. My goodness. How beautiful we can think about this. So therefore, to be with him in heaven is expected. It's expected. It's not some great leap to be a saint. It's not some far extraordinary goal saved for the few all are called to be saints. You are called to be a saint. And anything else is unacceptable. So what are our goals in life? What are our goals? We have lots of goals. I'm trying to bench 300 this year. It's not going well. It's a goal. But I go over to the school. We have so many great children from so many incredible families. What are your goals? You know, maybe some want to go to a great university. Some want to be doctors. Some might want to go be politicians and help this crazy country. Those are extraordinary goals. Being a saint is an ordinary goal. It's expected. If your life isn't trending towards, I'm going to be a saint one day, something is incredibly wrong. You are expected to pursue sainthood. And the gospel gives us the playbook. The gospel gives us a layout of how to do this. And if we go through it, we start to cringe. It's very hard to read through the Beatitudes. Blessed are the persecuted, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who are trampled down and forgotten and not popular and no one likes and have no things and no nice cars. That's how it is easy to read these Beatitudes. But if this is the playbook, to the ordinary goal of our lives, then maybe we don't read it from that standpoint of, oh my gosh, this is really gonna mess up my divided heart. This is really gonna mess up all the different things I'm trying to achieve and my great goals in my life. That's not what we were made for. And it starts with being poor in spirit. That's the first one, poor in spirit, being humble, recognizing that as children of God, we are to act like children and to go to him for everything. As soon as we try to do it on our own, 
We're going to mess it up. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize that really all we can be accoladed for is our sins. Everything else is God's grace. Every achievement you've ever done in your life is you accepting the grace that God gave you in your life. Now that's a beautiful thing because God wants to give you everything. God wants to help you be a part of his family because you are his child. So brothers and sisters, as we receive the Eucharist today, let's ask the Lord to reshape our heart, to reprioritize our goals, and to understand that by living out the Beatitudes, first and foremost being poor in spirit, and we will begin to realize what we were created for. So let's be saints. You were born to be one.